Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Tuesday, the 27th of June in London. Coming up today... Talking tough, Putin labels Wagner mercenary commanders traitors as Prigozhin denies coup attempt. The sun rises on Sintra. Central bankers head into the Portuguese mountains as rates near their peak. Investors take flight. OD Asset Management suspended its flagship hedge fund on surging redemption requests. Andy's new toys and putting the eye in IMF. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers. I'm James Wilcock. Plus, retail therapy, a decline in UK shop price inflation, offers a glimmer of hope for the Bank of England. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today. Russia's President Vladimir Putin has condemned the leaders of the Wagner mercenary group as traitors. In his first public comments since the weekend's revolt, the Russian leader said the attempted mutiny had failed to divide the country. Dear friends, today I address once again all Russian citizens. I thank you for your endurance, solidarity and patriotism. Civil solidarity showed that any ransom, any attempts to organize internal unrest are doomed to fail. Vladimir Putin's pre-recorded address to the nation, voiced there by a translator, came hours after Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin insisted he hadn't been attempting a coup. The mercenary chief said the march on Moscow by Wagner troops had been a protest about injustices and mistakes made during Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Meanwhile, top central bankers and policymakers are gathering in Portugal today for the annual ECB Forum on Central Banking. Bloomberg's editor-at-large, Francine Lacroix, reports now from Sintra. A lot of debate among officials about what to do with rate rises, and they'll get vital face time here in Sintra, Portugal, to iron out their differences. The question is whether a pause is warranted to appraise the still unfolding effects of policy tightening to date, or whether more action is required after the summer break to tackle stubborn underlying price gains. From Sintra, Portugal, Francine Lacroix, Bloomberg Radio. And we'll have more from Francine Lacroix in just a moment. To other news, OD Asset Management has suspended its flagship hedge fund after being hit by redemption requests totaling 19% of the fund. Investors have been fleeing the firm following fresh sexual assault allegations made against founder Crispin Odie, which he denies. Odie himself managed the European fund until he was removed from the partnership this month. The fund is known for its wild swings between profit and loss and had its best ever performance last year, returning 152% to investors. 
US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen plans to visit China in early July in a further sign of cooling tensions between Washington and Beijing. Bloomberg's Washington correspondent Anne-Marie Hordern broke the news. She points out that Yellen would be the second US cabinet official to travel to the country in recent months. She has continuously said, even in an interview with me at the G7 finance ministers meeting in Japan, that when their time was appropriate, she had all plans to go. And then, of course, we're on the heels of Secretary of State Antony Blinken's trip. He just wrapped that up. So that really opened the door to have more of these principle to principle meetings between Beijing and Washington. Anne-Marie Hordern says that the trip will include high-level economic talks with her new Chinese counterpart. The visit comes as the Biden administration continues to work on an executive order that would regulate and potentially cut off certain U.S. investments in China. The news comes as China's premier spoke out against what he called deglobalization trends in the West. Speaking at the World Economic Forum in Tianjin, Li Qiang said economic issues should not be brought into the political sphere. Some in the West are hyping up the so-called phraseologies of reducing dependencies and de-risking. These two concepts, I would say, are false propositions. Governments and relevant organizations should not overreach themselves, still less overstretch the concept of risk or turn it into an ideological tool. Speaking through a translator, China's premier also told the audience in the northern Chinese city that the world's second largest economy is still on track to hit its annual growth target of around 5%. Credit Suisse has agreed to pay $900,000 in fines over allegations that it reported trades late and misapplied key indicators to hundreds of thousands of transactions. The US Financial Industry Regulatory Authority said that the bank's brokerage reported about 9,000 trades late between November 2015 and March this year. The transactions involved securitised products, corporate debt and agency debt securities, according to FINRA. The news comes after UBS closed its deal to purchase the troubled lender earlier this month. UK food prices eased for a second month to 14.6%. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts reports. It's a sign of how serious food price inflation has become that a reading of nearly 15% is being hailed as progress. The British Retail Consortium says that price rises may have peaked, with both food inflation and wider shop price inflation calling for a second month in a row. The Trade Association says the easing was led by grocers cutting the prices of basics like milk, cheese and eggs. The data comes as supermarkets face increasing scrutiny from the government, with the biggest players set to be quizzed by MPs on Parliament's Business Committee later today. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Those are a few of today's top stories for you. Um, A theme, though, from China, concerns about independent financial analysis in China. This caught our attention today. China has banned um, a couple of writers from Weibo. These are key commentators when it comes to stocks, to jobless rates. Um, Wu Xiaobo uh, has been suspended from Weibo. This is someone who has nearly 5 million followers on that platform. And so China... um, Potentially cracking down again on uh, people who who yeah make um, who do some financial analysis and publish it on the social media platform. Yeah, now he's someone who's interesting because he regularly writes for Kaishin Global. He's published books on things like Tencent, for example, mm. or China's economic transformation as well. Now his recent posts have actually already been deleted from the site, so it's not clear if there was something that he posted that perhaps sparked this move being taken uh, by Weibo. But the, there are two other writers as well who weren't uh, named. 
but they were banned from the website for spreading what Weibo called negative and harmful information. But it's an interesting time when we're looking at influential writers uh, who, you know, communicate via Weibo to mm. huge audiences, uh, their views on the Chinese economy. Uh, this is part of a broader debate over uh, how much information, I suppose, Chinese investors have when they're making these decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also quite telling that one of the phrases um, was that these uh, unnamed individuals attacked and undermined Chinese policy. So again, sort of a concern around um, financial analysis and how that is disseminate, disseminated across China. Yeah, indeed. Well, look, the IMF's Gita Gopinath, meanwhile, has told central bankers that they must must remain committed to fighting inflation. The fund's first deputy managing director spoke at the ECB's annual forum in the Portuguese town of Sintra, setting up a meeting where many monetary policy makers are near a turning point in their hiking cycle. Well, Bloomberg's editor-at-large, Francine Lacroix, is in Sintra for us this morning, and she joins us now. Good morning to you, Francine. So, a rallying call from Gita Gopinath to, over dinner last night to these central bankers, telling them to keep hiking. Is that the conversation that's dominating this meeting? It is. So the premise, I think, for everything is basically that central banks, for the moment, have stayed the course. They've been managing to raise interest rates quite significantly without putting everyone into a recession. The big question now is whether they pause, and this is true for the ECB, it's also true for the Fed and the BOE, is whether they pause because they want to appraise the still unfolding effects of policy tightening to date or whether more action is required. So I thought it was extremely telling, uh, Stephen, to hear from Gita Gopinath, who was here, she was over opening the central forum and she was basically saying that the most important so the the, the you know second the, the most important of the two evils is inflation she believes it's taking a long time to get back to target and so she basically put it you know very bluntly she was looking policymakers in the eye and saying well this means that central banks including DCB must remain committed to fighting inflation despite risks of weaker economic growth now the IMF is also looking at it from the perspective on if you look at you know the the inflation um, and what that does to consumer demand it really does hit uh, the poorest so they want to make sure that everyone is taken care of as much as they could she's also very interestingly talked about structural shifts in the economy that could produce more upside risks and so again she mentioned financial stresses that could generate tensions between price and financial stability objectives so now that we have stability is the right time to increase rates to get inflation down. OK, so in that case, how much debate is there among ECB officials about the September meeting? Well, there's a lot of debate, uh, Caroline, good morning to you as well, because if you look at what they've done so far, so let's remember that in the 12 months since I was in Sintra last time, they actually hiked interest rates by 400 basis points. And if you look at some of the inflation coming in red hot, it's not as easy as to say, look, all inflation is hot. You have core inflation, and that's the sticky part, and that's actually um, you know, stronger than expected, but you have underlying inflation that's really coming down. So, for example, Bloomberg Economics is saying, look, if you look at the headline inflation, materially falling again in June, driven primarily by energy inflation dipping deeper into negative territory, it's unclear how they handle this. So you have, you know, 20 members, part of the ECB governing council, and frankly, there, there are three camps. is stay the course, hike aggressively. It's, you know, let's see here, maybe do something in July and then definitely wait for September. And then I think there's also um, people in the middle that are still undecided and just want to see more data. 
Francine, this isn't just a gathering of ECB central bankers as well. They have all of the other leading uh, central banks present too. Andrew Bailey from the Bank of England among them. He's facing quite a different challenge to his ECB counterparts. Yeah, he certainly is. And actually, I was on the plane with the chief economist of the Bank of England, who was very pleasant. We did not talk monetary policy, despite my best efforts. So we saw last week the Bank of England's decision to lift rates by 50 basis points in June. And of course, that was a surprise. But if you look at the cards that they will dealt, it's very hard to argue it wasn't justified by the recent run of data. They also remember, as central banks, need to make sure that markets think they're credible. If you have a hot inflation print like they did the day before um, the, their Bank of England decision, it would have been very difficult for them, I think, not to argue by 50 basis points. The obvious next question for the Bank of England is whether it will be the first of many. So, again, if you speak to Bloomberg Economics, they think that the core and services inflation would have to keep rising significantly. That's not their base case. But if you look at, you know, the kind of sticky inflation that we're seeing right now, also probably not helped with some of the fiscal packages that was put in place by the government. They may just go data by data, month by month to decide what they do next. Okay, Francine, uh, great to have you on the programme. And of course, great to be there at Sintra uh, and to hear all about it. Bloomberg's editor-at-large, Francine Lacroix. Up next, putting the I in IMF and Auntie's new toys. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Well, Bloomberg's James Wilcock joins us now for a look at what's in the papers. And we're starting with The Telegraph, which has written up some research from the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, pointing the finger at corporate greed. I mean, Stephen, this isn't just my pitch to go and join Francine in Portugal. There's more to it than that. Uh, Obviously, the IMF are at Sintra and they're putting out their research at the moment. And Francine just gave us this masterful look at sort of the economics of that. But the Telegraph have picked up some of the political implications because the IMF are saying that profit increases accounted for almost half the increase in the Eurozone's post-pandemic inflation rate. uh, And companies increased prices by, quote, more than spiking costs of imported energy. So set in stone this conversation we're having at the moment in the UK about greedflation, supermarket CEOs and representatives are set to be in front of Parliament today. And the IMF is saying definitively that actually it is people improving their margins. Now, their big fear is they then say that some wage catch-up is to be expected. uh, And they say that if pay were to be increased by the 5.5% rate needed to guide real wages back to their pre-pandemic levels, and those are EU, UK levels or even higher, by the end of next year... To create a balanced inflation target, well, to get back to the target central banks have, companies' profit share would need to drop to its lowest level since the mid-1990s. So their message is quite clear mm. as this sort of 
international um, monetary fund that actually companies need to feel at least some of the pain and if they were to feel enough pain needed to get inflation back to target it would be the worst pain since the 1990s yeah absolutely and all of those profits of course have helped with uh, the european stock market you know to outperform since the start of the year um andy haldane has written an editorial in the financial times about well, the industrial revolution. Yeah, I mean, look, again, if I were to have this plane ticket to Portugal, I too, like Francine, could be sat next to the bank's former chief economist, Andy Haldane, but I'll have to settle for the FT's editorial. Now, what is interesting is he's taking a longer view on this. Uh, he has long, he was giving speeches back in 2015 talking about secular stagnation, this idea of low growth rates, the idea that the UK, as among many modern advanced economies, is getting stuck in low interest rate policy. And he's saying, well, actually, the modern world, this new industrial revolution, he terms it, is creating three new races. First, a race to decarbonise green technology. A second, a race to remilitarise. And third, this ongoing sort of race to reshore. And he's saying you are seeing uh, areas like Sheffield and Manchester, areas of Mm. cheap local labour and cheap local land having big manufacturing booms. And you're seeing actually um, real improvement in terms of secular trends. And he's actually quite positive about this. In the long term, this may be reversing a big low issues for low interest rates and pushing growth in investment and R&D. Yeah, I can hear Make UK, the Manufacturers Association in the UK, rubbing their hands with glee. Yeah, but on the flip side, though, he doesn't comment at all on whether the UK is winning any of those three Ah. races. Just that those races are reshaping the global economy. Indeed, interesting stuff. Uh, Let's go next to the Wall Street Journal, writing about salaries. Well, Often we say, Stephen, here that you know more money makes you happier. But the Wall Street Journal is saying actually more money on your own terms makes you happier. And bar any worker, individual worker category, freelancers were the happiest with their work relationship, even if they were paid much, much, much less. Okay, this is in the US. This is in the US. Yeah. Yes, so it's Wall Street Journal. And it's not like zero hours contract workers, though, is it? Because it's a long read. It's you're going to be a little bit up the the pole. Well, it is still the aggregate. But I will admit that the big difference here is that if you then break that down sectorally workers in tech, construction, real estate and finance were the ones who had a pay satisfaction, which then breaks down. And the darker story is that those in education and healthcare were least happy. And those working for gig economies like Uber, Instacart and DoorDash often reported such low pay that they couldn't afford to eat. So it does. There is a divide there. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.